Hey everyone, I'm back. <laughs> uh, welcome back to another brand new episode of the Emerging Network podcast. Um, I really hope you're all well and I hope you're having a great day today. Um, sorry I've not been on for quite a while. I've just been busy with things, busy with writing my book, uh, doing music and doing other things as well and just giving time to myself so I can you know be more at ease and more relaxed because uh, I've not just been I've not been stressed but I just wanted to make some time for myself so I hope you all understand that and I hope you are all well so I wanted to say a few things about well not this podcast but a few things I want to speak about in general but I never had the chance to like record it so for today's episode it's going to be quite a long-winded one uh, firstly, we're going to talk about the Super League. Yeah, I know it finished about three or four weeks ago, but I really want to speak about this. Uh, and we're going to speak about three leagues in particular entering the final days of their respective seasons. Uh, so this is going to be a football-related blog- podcast. But before we get into that, I am going to talk to you very quickly, not briefly, but very quickly about Autism Awareness Month. And I won't spend too long speaking about it because I know everyone uh, who wanted to see this podcast episode for football pretty much because this is what this is about. Um, so I'm going to try not to speak about um, autism awareness too much. So briefly, as you know, last month, well, April, was Autism Awareness Month. And basically it was to spread awareness about autism, not just towards everyone, but to people who are marginalised. So marginalized people, BIPOC people, which stands for Black Indigenous People of Colour, and then there's POC, People of Colour. First of all, I want to say this, BIPOC and POC is completely different, so Black Indigenous People of Colour is for, you know, Black and Indigenous people only, whereas People of Colour basically means any person of colour, whether you're uh, brown or light-skinned, basically someone who isn't in the BIPOC category, if that makes sense. And basically, autism awareness was just about spreading awareness of autism, but there were people uh, such as neurotypicals. So neurotypicals are people that we describe in our community as people who are non-autistic and they were speaking over us. And people were just saying, oh, you don't look autistic or I'm an autism expert and stuff like that. And it was just speaking over us and making our experiences feel invalidating and that's something that just really upset me because my experiences is my experiences of being autistic and of autism in general uh, whether you like it or not and every person who is autistic has different experiences and challenges that they've had and a lot of people are speaking over them saying that your autistic your experience of being autistic is not the same as mine and basically judging us and making stereotypes of us like you don't act autistic or don't look autistic and it was just it was just wrong and we tried to do a fundraiser but that didn't go well down well because you know marginalized autistic people being spoken over by white autistic people and we needed to correct that because we don't want uh, discrimination or racism in our community and that's why that was corrected of course there was um color the spectrum hosted by mark rober uh, i don't know if you've heard of mark rober but he hosted a thing called color the spectrum um uh, basically i didn't participate or watch that 
uh, it was a live, it was basically a charity live stream. I didn't watch it basically because it didn't represent who autistic people were. Uh, they were trying to find a cure uh, for autism, and it it just it just wasn't right. And last month was just terrible. Uh, in terms of awareness and you know acceptance of who autistic people are, it was great that the community of all of us brought ourselves together. But there were just some bits that were just wrong, and there were just people that were speaking over us, and people that were being rude and not acknowledging our experiences and our challenges and who we are, uh, which we're autistic and people just didn't acknowledge that but yeah that enough about that that's what autism awareness month pretty much was uh and today uh one of the first things i'm going to talk about in this football episode is um the super league now the super league has drawn a lot of controversy and obviously as you know it happened i think it happened last month and that's when there were 12 founding members or 12 founding member clubs uh there were none from germany which were great because i'll speak about why they were none from germany in a minute uh surprisingly there were none from france even with the likes of psg which was even greater but some of these founding clubs were three from italy so there were ac milan inter milan juventus three from spain which were barcelona atletico madrid and real madrid and i think the last six were from england so there were Arsenal, Chelsea, Liverpool, Manchester City, Manchester United, and Tottenham Hotspurs. Now, this Super League was basically to break away from all the other leagues. So, you know, the Barclays Premier League, Serie A, the Bundesliga, La Liga, and the French division, and to create their own Super League of where European teams fight against each other. Uh, And it brought a lot of controversy because these founding clubs, so the 12 founding members, would never get promoted or relegated. So obviously there was no no competition. You couldn't be promoted or relegated. Like, what's the point in that? And there were other qualifi- qualifying teams. And I think there were other three founding member teams after 12 teams. Uh, so it would have been 15 founding member teams uh, after the 12 that I've just mentioned, and then five qualification teams. And the, the qualification teams could be promoted or relegated, but the founding members couldn't, which didn't make any sense. Like, what was the point in that? Because it wasn't competitive and it just ruined the ethos and the morale and the morals of football, pretty much. And it was just an example of greed, greed, money, and how greedy people from the rich can overpower the poor and people from working classes and try to cause this animosity of a league and trying to destroy the foundations of football as we knew it and obviously football fans weren't going to have that Uh, I certainly wasn't going to have that and speaking as a Manchester City fan as I am and many fans, fans of Arsenal, Spurs, uh, Chelsea, Liverpool, Atleti, Barcelona, Man United, uh, Inter Milan, AC Milan, Juventus, you know, weren't going to have that because it was basically like the owners of the Super League or whoever it was, uh, basically gave us multiple slaps across our faces and said, screw you guys, we're going to make our own league and you're going to come to our games and support us. Okay, you may be working class, but we have money and we need more money because our financial wealthy egos are getting hurt. That's what it pretty much was. And that's why the Super League was just 
farce, absolute farce, and it was an absolute joke. And eventually, the uh, it caused a lot of protest and a lot of anger, which is what I love. And I think Chelsea did a lot of protests outside Stamford Bridge as soon as a, a football game was about to start, I think. Uh, I'm not sure who they were playing against. I think it was Brighton at the time. Correct me if I'm wrong, I'm not sure, but I think it might have been Brighton at the time. And after they made those protests, I think it was about a few minutes later, or a, few, a day later, that uh, Chelsea, I think, were the first one. No, I think it was Manchester City that were the first one. Then it was Chelsea that poured out. Then I think the rest of the other super clubs pulled out after that. So after Liverpool, United, uh, Arsenal and Tottenham all started pulling out of their Super League. And owners started to come up with statements of apology saying, sorry, we shouldn't have done this. Sorry, we shouldn't have betrayed like this. We will speak to you about this and hold fan forums in the future. I think John W. Henry, the Liverpool owner, made a statement about this in a video. Uh, Shuk Mansour, owner of Manchester City, did uh, a statement about this. Uh, the Glazers, the Glazers did a mini statement, but I think some of them, especially Joel Glazer, was being pretty ignorant about it. Uh, Josh Kroenke of Arsenal, I think, made a statement, but I don't think he really cared that much uh, because the actual owner is not Josh, but it's Stan, and he didn't make any statement at all. Basically, he didn't care. So, money, money, money talks, and I think Levy tried to make a statement, and you know, it was all all that, and after the shambles of the Super League. There were still protests by Arsenal to get the owners of Stan Kroenke out. There were still protests against Joel Glazer. Now, this reminds me, Manchester United and Liverpool was due to take place, uh, I think it was about a few weeks ago, until it got pushed back uh, to a week uh, or a week later. And that was because <clears throat> Manchester United fans stormed Old Trafford. And that was in protest of the Glazers. And I understood why they did that, and I don't blame them. I just thought it could have been done a bit more peacefully, like Arsenal did when they were playing Everton. And that was because it was years and years of neglect uh, by the Glazers uh, towards Manchester United, of course. And that's what the anger from the United fans came towards, that United isn't just a, a merchandise toy or a petty toy. Uh, and this goes for every single owner, not just, you know, just for City, United, Arsenal, Liverpool, Chelsea, Tottenham. Every single owner cannot treat their club as some sort of merch toy or some sort of puppetry that you can just dictate uh, from the sidelines like they're nothing. Because eventually the fans will speak up and eventually owners will be forced out. You know, you can't come, you can't come and take over a sport such as football by ploughing money and just making it like a business. Similar like to the N NBA and the NFL, like I respect the NBA and NFL, I like them, but let's be honest, they're pretty much business uh, gimmicks. So, you know, you get sponsorship deals and all that stuff. And it's a bit like a money grab. And America, some American owners, I'm not, now I'm not blaming um, any American person or saying, oh, this isn't an American problem. It isn't. I'm basically drawing comparisons with the NBA and the NFL to the Premier League uh, and Serie A that many American owners have come to the football to try and make it into a business and with football you can't do that. It's not the NFL, it's not the NBA, you can't make it into a passionate business or you can't make profits out of it. Like football has always been for the fans, it's been for the fans um, back in the, in the 1900s. Yeah back in mid-1900s as well, 1950, 1960, 1970, 
until now and you know you can't make football or change football to what it is because football will always be a place where it is the beautiful game where everyone no matter who you look like no matter where you come from will just wants to talk about one thing and that is football and that's where the protests came from and this is what i want to add i didn't like what these owners did and I, as i mentioned to see fan i was disappointed in sheikh mansour uh, I heard that they were forced into making the decision, uh, Manchester City's owners, uh, into being in the Super League. I am not disappointed with them as I am now because of how much investment and how much they, they've done for the club. Like recently, they're going to be paying for tickets for Manchester City fans to go to the Champions League final in Portugal. Now, I the only thing I didn't what what. The only thing that I didn't like them doing was the whole Super League thing, getting involved and stuff like that. But they've done so much for the club, like I said before, that I'm not going to blame them that, that much. But with the Glazers and Stan Kroenke and how they've neglected their clubs, I can understand Arsenal's and Man United's pain for like, not even months, probably about years, probably 10, 20 years now, probably a long time, you know. So I understand that side of it. But I think this is why football will always be for the fans and this is why I think it's good to talk about the German model that's happening in Germany or that's always happened in Germany. So there is a model called the 50 plus 1 rule and it's in the Bundesliga where 50% or I think it's 51% actually, no it's definitely 51%, 51% of the club, so let's say Bayern Munich, is owned by the fans and 49% is owned by the ownership. So the fans have the, most of the majority of it, whilst the owner has the other half, so that the fans have more control of what happens to their football club. Because essentially, who buys the merch? The fans, right? Who buys the tickets to go to the games? The fans. Who buys season tickets? The fans. Who makes the noise to inspire the players day in, day out? The fans. Who pays for the player's salary? The fans. Who plays for the staff? The fans. Do you see what I'm getting with here? The fans are the lifeblood of every single club. Uh, no matter how big you are, no matter how small you are, every single club is supported by the fans. And this is why I'm behind the German model, because he'll be supported by the fans. And also you can have a fan meeting with the board as well to decide what's going right, what's going wrong, is this manager doing well, what players do we need to be bringing in and what uh, additional needs that the club need to help them propel them to not newer heights but to make them better and to make it better for every single fan that's going to these football matches to support uh, Arsenal at the Emirates or Spurs at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, Chelsea at Stamford Bridge, Manchester City at the Etihad, Man United at Old Trafford, Liverpool at Anfield, uh, Bayern Munich at the Allianz Arena, Dortmund at the Best of Allianz, uh, Barca at the Nou Camp, Real Madrid at the Bernabeu, you know. And I think now is the time for fan ownership to take its course, and it's time for fans to take control uh, of this game. Uh, well, not of this game, what am I saying? No, not that. Uh, time for fans to t- take some sort of control back over their clubs, because it's being controlled by rich, wealthy men who just want to see it as a business and we need to change that narrative because now I just feel as if, especially with season tickets, like season tickets like are ridiculously overpriced now and I feel with some sort of fan ownership or something like that it will help bring it back some sort 
this is just, these are just my feelings and opinions like they may be different to yours or anyone else's and i welcome your opinions and thoughts but i would like to see a more of a fan ownership model when it comes to uh, the super league because i just want to see change like i love football but um the fans is what make football and you know what reiterate that point did anyone watch the FA cup final last week Chelsea versus Leicester, Stamford Bridge. Now, Chelsea versus Leicester was packed. But I think about 10,000, 15,000 made it. But a lot of people were supporting their hearts out. They were like, Chelsea, 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 Chelsea. And then Leicester were like, come on, Leicester, come on, Leicester. And it was just, it was amazing. The atmosphere was electric. And this is what I mean by the fans make football. With that noise, you won't get that entertainment anywhere else. And without the fans, it will just be like going to uh, training. But you're playing your matches in like a training sort of thing where you have your managers on the side and just players shouting at Well, not players shouting and trying to direct instructions, but your managers shouting instructions as well. And it was just like a, it would feel like a training atmosphere and it wouldn't feel right to not have fans that's what i meant and then the stanford bridge game when chelsea played leicester was electric as well and yeah fans make football man they always do and no matter how you look at it without fans football would be dead in fact football would have been dead years ago if fans never existed or didn't even support the game in the first place like you cannot uh change or you cannot not have fans and expect football to carry on because it just wouldn't work that way and i just have strong opinions on that uh i hope this is the change of something new i think there was a petition going around of a uh, fan reform over football that's reached a hundred thousand so yeah well done for everyone and now i think this is going towards parliament i think it's either next week or next either next week or the week after so that is something to look forward to and i'm very happy for that now uh the last thing i'm going to talk about today is assessing the last three leagues uh well not the last three leagues but the three leagues in particular now as i'm recording this atletico madrid have just won la liga Woo-hoo! and um real madrid have finished second uh elche have escaped from la liga whilst uh huesca have been relegated along with real valladolid and ebal and yeah and i think in i think no not in syria no, Syria has not finished yet. Okay, forget what I said, but La Liga has been won by Atletico Madrid anyways. And Bayern Munich obviously won the Bundesliga. Dortmund have made the top four, which is great as well. So the three leagues we're going to talk about, firstly, is going to be a French for one. So that's the top French division. Now, now, the top four is close. Lille have got 80 points and are in first place. PSG have got 79 and are a point behind. Monaco are three points behind, but will not win the league because of the head-to-head rule with Lila. No, not the head-to-head rule, the goal difference. And head-to-head, of course. And Lee, well, Monaco have 77 and Leon have 76. Now, first, second, and third would get, um, yeah, first, second, and third would get Champions League spots and fourth would get the Europa League spot. That's why Monaco's game, I think, at Reims is going to be really important that they win. Leon. Uh, who are playing also on the same weekend will also need to win their game as well because that spot between third and fourth first of all is going to be tight Monaco is 77 in third 
final Champions League spot and Leon on the Europa League spot with 76. So that's going to be very tight. Lille and PSG fighting for a one. Now, this could go either way. Like, final day action can go any way. Lila could have the be in the best form of their life and could completely mess it up and drop points, allowing PSG to come back. And Lila cannot afford to lose either. Because even if PSG draw, they would finish ahead of Lila and win the league because of goal difference. Their superior goal difference is higher than anyone else's. So Lila have to win. They have to try and get a result against uh, I think it's San Etienne, I'm not quite sure. But no, they played San Etienne last week. But um, they need to get the result in their last game to win. Uh, because they'll be on 83 if they win. PSG will be on 82 if they win the last game. And Lille will win the league. So it's going to be interesting uh, between those four teams in particular. And the relegation battle is not looking... I think the relegation battle is pretty much done as well. All three teams have been relegated. And yeah, the top four is just going to be interesting to see where Lila will finish. Will Lila win the league? Will PSG win the league? Will Monaco get a Champions League's place? Will Lyon sneak a Champions League's place? It'll be interesting. Um, the next league we're going to talk about is Serie A. Now, Juventus are in danger of not finishing in a Champions League's place. They are a point behind Napoli and a point behind AC Milan with just one game to go their game is winnable though at home i think it's at home no no it's either i think it's it's a way to either Parma or sassuolo i'm not sure it was one of them but um they have an away game as far as i know and they should go on to win that game but atalanta and ac milan so so enter milan have got something like 88 points and, and they've won the league in first place uh, Atalanta got 78, so they'll be uh, safely in the Champions League spot. AC Milan, I think, have 76 along with Napoli. Now, even if Juventus win, Atalanta have the superior goal difference and head-to-head, so it wouldn't matter. And head-to-head comes first as well. So if, even if AC Milan win, and obviously if Napoli win, uh, they will finish ahead of Juventus. So Juventus will have to hope one of either AC Milan, Atalanta or Napoli fall. Napoli will have Hellas Verona at home, and I think they'll just win that game. Uh, AC Milan have Atalanta away, so that's going to be interesting. Now, it could end up either way. AC Milan turn up, and they will win, I reckon, at, uh, at the Bergamo Stadium uh, in Bergamo, which is Atalanta's ground. But, if AC Milan do not play to the potential that they can, they will get flattened by Atalanta. Because Atalanta score goals for fun. They score goals like it's like training all day long. Summer all day long. So AC Milan need to turn up. Because if they don't, Juventus will pounce and they will get that last position. Napoli also need to win as well. So it's going to be interesting to see who finishes in the top four. As I said, Enter Milan have now got 88 or 90. I think No, it's 88 points. So my words get mixed up now. Uh, first place, second place, Atalanta, 78. Third place, AC Milan, 76. Fourth place, Napoli, 76. And fifth, Juventus with 75. So all, all three teams need to win. But if anything, Juventus will need to hope that AC Milan don't win. Because if they do, that will be it. Unless Napoli don't win. That'll be it for them because AC Milan have the superior head-to-head goal difference. 
and well, not, I wouldn't say superior head to head goal difference, but super, superior head to head roll uh, over Juventus, which would be a downer for Juve, of course. Now, last league, uh, the Barclays Premier League. Now, 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 now. I would have said the relegation battle between Fulham, Southampton, especially with Fulham and Newcastle, uh, going head to head would have been interesting. But do you know what? It's not going to be interesting because Fulham are relegated, unfortunately, along with Sheffield United and West Brom. And I feel sorry for Fulham because they've actually played really well this season. But it's it's in it's in games, and it's in games where you feel that they're going to attack, but they just come up short, or they just don't show not of a lot of goal threat to win the game. Like defensively, they're more solid than the last time they got relegated, but. It's offensively this time, and that's that's just what bugs me. And I love Fulham as a side, I really do, and I think I think they will bounce back next season. But Scott Park has a lot to think about. Um, but the real matter of the matter is in the top four and around the European places, and it's around uh, first of all the Conference League, where Spurs, Everton have got about something like fifty nine points, around sixth and seventh place. No, seventh and eighth place. And Arsenal are not far behind in ninth, uh, who have 58 points. So Spurs, Everton 59, Arsenal 58. <clears throat> and Arsenal's game, last game, is at home to Brighton. Spurs are away at Leicester, who need to win the Champions League. Uh, and Everton are away at us uh, when we have our title coronation. And I don't know what's why I'm going to pick out, but Everton, but I find it tricky anyways. Now, I see Arsenal pinching either one or even both for a final uh, spot in the European Conference League. Now, my question is, do Arsenal or do Tottenham or do Everton want a spot in that league? Because that might not just be extra games, but they might go into locations that you're not familiar with. Uh, Odd locations, not odd locations, but teams that they wouldn't normally face or teams, no disrespect to the teams that are going to be in that league, but teams that Arsenal or Everton or Chelsea, uh, Arsenal, Everton, or Tottenham wouldn't go and face. It's not going to be Zagreb. It's going to be someone in I don't know in the Middle East or something like that. And it's just it's going to be interesting. Uh, so I was I, I wonder do do Arsenal want that? Or do Tottenham want that? Or do Everton want that? Or do they want to not be in that league and try and start fresh next season because they'll have less games and they can concentrate on the cup competitions. And the Premier League, where they can do a rebuild. I think for Ar- in Arsenal's case, they would want to do a rebuild, and I think that'd be really important because they need to, man. Uh, they have had a terrible season, uh, what, no matter how you look at it. Uh, they've had the youth academy with the likes of Smith Rowe, Bukayo Saka, have been very impressive, but they need a rebuild. And so do Tottenham. Tottenham have problems. Harry Kane is going to be. I don't know what's going to happen with Kane. To be honest, is he going to leave? Is he not? What he said in the overlap in an interview with Gary Neville is he said that um, <clears throat> I would love to play with top class players, I want to play with top class players and I want to play with teams who are challenging for major honours. And that emotion in the last game against Villa uh, told me something and basically I don't know if he wants to be a Spurs anymore. Is his heart sound Spurs or does that emotion indication that he wants to go? That's a question that needs to be answered and Daniel Levy has a lot to do uh, this summer not just with Kane but if Kane leaves what does that mean for the other squad members will Song go with him and could that be a collapse of Spurs 
it's going to be interesting. Levy has a big summer to fig- figure out here. Everton, for all their away form and their amazing away form, home form they need to sort out. They need to have a rethink for next season because some games they should have won and some games they've not been clinical enough and they've not showed enough attitude or endeavour application to win games and that's something they need to improve as well. But the final Champions League spots are between Chelsea, Liverpool and Leicester. So Liverpool have Palace at home, Chelsea have uh, Villa away which can be a banana skin and Leicester have Spurs at home. I expect Leicester to win beat Tottenham but you never know um, in these games. I think Vardy and Nacho will have too much for their Spurs who are in all sorts of bother but they're going for a Europa League place or a conference place themselves so it'll be interesting. I also think Liverpool, with their fans, will have or should have enough to beat Palace. But Palace have always been a bogey side, especially who can remember that three-three game where Suarez was visibly emotional in front of the cameras and Jared had to take him away after Palace came three down to draw three-three at Selhurst Park. And Villa, of course, we know what Villa's threats are: Grealish, Barkley, Watkins, Traore. They got Douglas Luiz, May Cash. So they can cause their problems and that could be a banana skin. So it'll be interesting. You can't really predict these games on the final day. Like I could say Chelsea will win, uh, Leicester will beat Spurs, Liverpool will beat Palace at home, Everton City could end up a draw or City could win, uh, Arsenal could beat Brighton at home and it'll be all plain sailing. But final day games are different and they don't work the way that you usually want them to. Basically because nerves, excitement and anxiety and so many emotions get put into this. So. It'll be interesting to see what happens. I think Liverpool will have enough, and I think they'll make the Champions League. I think Chelsea would... Do you know what, actually? I was going to say Chelsea, but Chelsea offensively don't strike me as someone that are going to attack, attack, attack. Yeah, okay, I know they beat us twice, but most of our players were not out. I'm not putting that as an excuse, but they played well against us. But defensively, they're solid. Offensively, they're not as attacking, thrusting. They're not good going, not good going forward, but they're not as offensive going forward as good, as amazing as they are in defence. And I don't know. I feel this is going to be a draw at Villa Park, and I feel Leicester will sneak the final spot. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. But it's going to be interesting. But it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the summer as well. Obviously, with Kane and with how we're going to go for it because we're looking at Kenton Holland but we don't spend more than 100 million to Manchester City so we'll see what happens there we'll see what United do Liverpool do Liverpool will try and try and get Van Dijk and Gomez back from injury and try and rebound for the summer maybe it's a time for one of the three of Salah, Mane and Firmino to move on because they've just been they've it's not defence they've been lacking Liverpool it's been up front and it's something they need to address yeah, a lot of things to think about for teams as well. And obviously with the sale of Daniel Ek, who's looking to try and buy Arsenal Stan Kroenke, even though they're not even thinking of setting up uh, the Kroenkes. That'll be an interesting development to go through. Will Mike Ashley sell up from Newcastle as well? Everything's going to be interesting. But yeah, that's it uh, from a, na- a new, well, I wouldn't say new episode, but from a comeback episode from me. Rohit at the Emoji Network podcast. I hope you've enjoyed this episode where I've just blabbered about football for I don't know how long. (laughs) And I hope you have a good day, evening, morning, good morning. (laughs) I'm sorry, I'm sorry, wherever you are in the world. 
and I hope that yeah you you're great uh, lockdown ended here in the UK actually well it didn't end it but the restrictions got eased and yeah I can't wait for the end of June where hopefully we don't have to wear masks but keep wearing masks regardless because Covid is still out there and who knows what could happen especially with the Indian variant as well so be very careful and before I say my goodbyes I want to say uh, a, not a big thank you but I want to say to the people in India who are suffering with a load of Covid cases uh, that to keep supporting them keep sending mutual aid uh, I will put some charities where you can support the India Covid relief in the description uh, mainly because India needs the support right now. They're going through a massive amount of cases. Uh, crematoriums are running out as well. Hospitals are stressed and we need to help them as much as possible. COVID isn't over if one country is suffering and the rest isn't. Every country needs to be safe from COVID and that's what I believe in. And I also want to pay my respects and support and strength and solidarity to the Palestinian people. Um, I know I briefly know what's going on between Israel and Palestine. I have been watching it. I've not been commenting on it, but I want to express my support for the Palestinian people for what they have gone through and the war crimes that they've had to face and the turmoil that they've had to face in the face of humanity over the last few days. And obviously, Israel and Hamas have ceased fire, but. I hope this is the end, and I hope this is the end of the rainbow for the Palestinian people. But yeah, uh, this is Rohit. Uh, love you all. I will probably do be doing episodes sporadically here and there, only because I've been multiply busy and I can't commit to it being consistent because I'm working so many other things and it's hard to keep up with every single thing at once. So yeah, it's been your boy Rohit here, and have a good day evening afternoon wherever you are in the world and peace out take care and see you later adios